Hey, this is Russell, and I work at the video store. I love this job because when the store is quiet, I get to watch movies and series and talk about them with my best friends that work here. Interesting people also pop in to rent something all the time. Each week, we can help you figure out what you could be watching on streaming platforms and out in cinemas. All right, let's do it. Let's open up the shop. Did you see that thing yesterday on the TV? All right, top of the morning. How's it? How you, CK? Yeah, good. It's been a week, but yeah, it's good. Hey. I'm ready. You holding on? You know I am. Are you well rested or not? Not at all. Not at all. How are you? I am also not well rested at all. <laughs> we work on the weekends, man. I feel like I've just been working nonstop, but it's great. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, it is good to have you. And hello, everyone. Welcome to the video store. Today on the show, we are going to have a f fantastic filmmaker, Really celebrated here in South Africa and abroad, Jamil XT Kubeka, who has made a number of films, all of which have won loads of awards, um, very much been recognized as uh, an important South African filmmaker, with some of his films actually being uh, the pick for our Oscar um submission. Oh, amazing. Which is really cool. Uh, we'll get into it, but it's films like Of Good Report, Knuckle City, um, Sew the Winter to My Skin, and then most recently, um, a very uh, boundary-pushing and incredible uh, TV show called Blood Psalms, which I don't know whether you caught that, but the, the best way to pitch Blood Psalms is that it was African Kingdoms, older African Kingdoms meets Game of Thrones. Oh, so it was amazing. a very ambitious... Very cool um, TV show and, of course, really sort of set new new boundaries. But his new film, The Queenstown Kings, is on Netflix at the moment. And when I last looked, it was sitting very firmly at number one. Wow. Which is very cool. So well done to the, the team. We've had his partner, Layla, on the show before. She's a producer, editor, extraordinaire. So they're this incredible team. And their company is called Yellowbone entertainment because both of them are the, the term yellowbone which is like a lighter skinned black person yeah. which i just love the fact that they've that they've used that name and they've like embraced it and it's become like quite a well-known um and and great reputation um, it's got a great reputation in the film industry so yeah so queenstown kings is is on netflix now we'll get into that so for all of you uh joining for the first time what we'll do uh, today is have Jamil come in soon for a chat, but please stick around afterwards where myself and Christina are going to have a chat about what we're watching. Hey. Yeah. yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, a little uh, point of business, a nice little announcement to all those shopping in the aisles of our video store right now. Uh, we are going to host another one of our video store presents nights. For those who haven't picked up, the video store is the podcast to have come out of the Bioscope, which is what I spend all my time doing, which is an independent cinema here in Johannesburg. And so we've got this incredible space to use for our podcast. So we host the occasional screening, which we call Video Store Presents. And on Wednesday, the 29th of November at 7 p.m., we are going to screen Little Shop of Horrors. Yes. 
We are going to Feed do- me Seymour. Feed me Seymour. Now, yeah. have you seen it? Oh, so many times. I okay. had it on VHS. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I Can had you- it on video. <laughs> video. Video, not DVD, not digital video disc, yeah. not laser disc. On video. Video. Um, have you seen the director's cut? Hmm. I don't know, actually. So I have seen neither. Okay. And what? this is the, exactly, <gasps> exactly. This is the point of the video store presents night. I don't know whether you know this because no, you're relatively so new. new to the team. But yeah. the point of the video store presents night is to have us in the team watch things that we haven't seen where some okay. of us love and go oh my god you've never seen that movie sure and and so we are using it as as the video store crew to watch the movies that we've always wanted to watch Amazing. and we hope everyone else comes along and steve martin's in that oh is he yeah okay so good. obviously we know rick moranis mm-hmm. um but i've always wanted to see it no, and, you, and, and so f- you should, because yeah, it's a it's, classic. It's, it's this a- fun musical, mm. so we're going to have it be very fun and interactive. So um, tickets for that are available at thebioscope.co.za, and it'll maybe be our last Presents Nights for the year. So it's a it'll be a little Christmas party. Are you going to sell little um, Venus flytraps? We should. I think you should, because be I want one. Move. Yes. One thing that you do get is if you are a subscriber to the video store and you show us that, by the time you get to the counter, you will get a popcorn on the house. <gasps> so yeah, it's a ni- it's a really nice fun night, and honestly, it's a great chance to meet you guys, the folks listening, and um, we have ourselves a nice fat party. Love. Okay, uh, but I think let's get into it. This is Jamil XT Kubeka popping in. To rent something. How's it? Hey, how you doing? It is so good to have you. It's an absolute honor to be here, man. Any any discussion and appreciation of film, not to even belittle what you're doing, is 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 highly needed. Why would you be belittling what I do? What do you mean? No, no, I'm saying that in uh, um, any form that this is happening in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, no, no. it's highly needed. it's a it's a good chat and i um i I was finding myself having these kinds of conversations all the time and i was saying to people in the build-up to us starting the video store i would stop conversation say guys this is the podcast it's this Mm. it's us talking Mm. about what we're watching yeah 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 and going oh if you like this you'll like this and because we even in a normal mainstream fun braai setting we're having this conversation because we all need to help each other figure out what to watch. <laughs> and interestingly, um, I'm quite curious to see even with uh, younger generations just what that becomes, you know. Um, when I speak to people who are younger than me, you know, the, the, the references, the cultural film and television references are quite interesting. You know, okay. There's a yeah. lot of Black Mirror in the space. A lot of people yeah. quote Black Mirror. They quote Stranger Things. And I'm like, wow, um, I feel like Rumpelstiltskin, you know. <laughs> I've woken up in a completely new and different time. Even yeah. the nostalgic pieces of today draw some kind of weird quasi-nostalgia that I wasn't quite part of, but I get. Yeah, I think that's what's interesting. This is what I love about our conversation. And of course, we're going to get into it now where we go through the films you've loved across the way. And yeah. like, it's, you know, it's always interesting to see the time periods. It's always interesting to see the film stamps yeah, 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 on yeah. people's lives where for me, I'm like 
that's a high school film, but for someone else, that's a primary school film. And it's like, oh, wild. <laughs> like we can, we can tell our age here. But um, just off the bat, um, you're a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. You're an established um, and, and celebrated filmmaker here in South Africa. We've very proudly screened a host of your films here at the Bioscope. So we've had you and um, your partner, both literally and figuratively, your partner, Layla, um, be such an important part of the Bioscope. It it feels like a culture, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, if I think from my first uh, film that I screened at the Bioscope, which was uh, of good report. Yes. Way back. Yes. From that, and that was a test screening. I was testing an audience back then. I was still playing around with an edit. Okay. So it's, um, I feel this has been part of my filmic culture, the yeah. space. It's a very, it's, it's very dear to my heart. Lovely. You're very dear to our hearts because Salute. whenever, you know, as the Bioscope started getting its years on it, it was always very cool to see the next film by the filmmaker and the next one and actually sort of, yeah, see that progression and yeah. see that growth. Mm. But you came out the bat. With of good report, do you, is that your first film? Do you it's my second. That? It's my second film officially, but I, I consider it my first. Film. Like a debut of, of yeah, sorts. Um, yeah, a small a small town called Descent was my first feature, and um, I consider that my student film. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know my producers or whoever worked on it wouldn't like to feel that way, but it, it's the it's it's the God's honest truth. Yeah. Um, I was far less in control of what I do. Uh, um, from that one to to my next film, so yeah, that was my student film. So for okay. me, of good report, yeah, and of good report is special, and I I want us to get into it and, and talk a bit more about it. But um, as it stands right now, you have a new film, Great. Art, yeah, which is the Queenstown Kings, yeah, yeah, which is currently on Netflix on Netflix. Okay, so you're making Netflix films now, which well, is that's, great. That's the tide. It's quite interesting. Um, it's where you find yourself now, which is which is cool, and it's it's gonna go out to so many people. It's very interesting because the business has changed so much. From yeah. if I look at it from, I mean, this is an obvious thing, but to be in it is something else. It it feels different. That's why I'm trying to articulate it. I mean. Um, from the time the dream was set in my mind, you know, uh, as a child of the 80s, saying, hey, oh my God, yeah, um, I want to be a filmmaker. Yeah. To the point where I was able to make my first independent film and what the tide was like then. To mm. now, this is my sixth feature film and um, how the business has completely changed on wow. so many levels. So... Um, that has also been an interesting thing. It's, it's been part of my growth to also um, start to accept the change. Now, now, where fundamentally is those changes? Because I'd imagine the production, the middle part, is relatively the same. New technology here or there, perhaps new ways of telling a story. But, but how you get your money and how it gets put together at the start and how you release it, I'd imagine, is fundamentally different right very different okay um but can we agree the middle parts relatively the 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 principles of making a film are are still the same yes but uh i would argue that the people who are making the films are not okay Um, okay interesting what has changed fundamentally i'll tell you um for me it's um the value of the film 
the okay. value of what a feature film is. How old are you, Russell? I'm 38. You're 38. Okay, cool. So we're the same generation. I'm 44. Okay. Um, so growing up with the love of 80s and 90s film, right? Those That would have been the spread. And then obviously uh, you're going a bit retrospectively being influenced maybe by, I would assume, 70s cinema, 60s cinema, right? Mm. That would be the space of kind of an yeah. 80s child, okay? Yeah. So in that space, the value of what a feature film was versus what it is today are two completely different things. Okay. Uh, I was on YouTube, and uh, I can't remember the year Kramer versus Kramer was released. I think it was yeah. 81, 82. Okay. It was top of the box office when it was released okay. for a good six weeks. Yeah, which is really a courtroom family drama well they kind of made a yeah. remake of it on netflix oh, a marriage story is quite a, i would say is uh, is the okay. kramer versus kramer of today okay right? okay now there's i don't even think you would see marriage story in the top 10 of netflix films yeah, uh, yeah. of the week never mind uh um having a uh, divorce drama yeah uh be the, the 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 number one box office film in america okay for an extended period of time okay what I mean by that is the commodity and what films are for us has changed. It's fundamentally changed. We know that. We know the, 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 the tide that Hollywood decided to take of killing the, the mid to smaller film and uh, pushing you know, the superhero uh, drive yeah, the and what have you. $200 million Correct. Marvel film. Yeah. Well, what it, the, the residue of that is that in terms of independent cinema, that space, yeah. that has fundamentally changed in itself. Yeah. See, with streaming, especially I'd say, funny enough, just the other day from like 2019 or so, streaming took the feature film and, 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 and uh, diluted it even further. Diluted it down to the point of saying it's content. Yeah. We, this has come up on a previous episode. It was actually Gareth Cliff who was like, the word content is terrible. It's, the it just worst. Feel, it's just a word that signifies it being a place filler. Because that's how they see it. They see it as as just this matter that exists. It's, it's where not... art gets swallowed and dies. <laughs> he says as his film. I mean, if I if I if I look at my heroes, yeah, sure. um, the the people I've venerated and said I want to do what they do, when they made films, not to necessarily compare myself to them, but films were an event back in the day. Sure. Okay. From how you consume it, you know, you you have to dress up a little and go somewhere to go consume a film. Mm. And that was the only primary space. And if you missed it at cinema, you out of the conversation for at least a nine months, sometimes even a year, depending sure. on where you were in the world. Yeah. Right? No. There, were, there was an but, event about it. Sure. Now, you can kind of pause five times while you go to the toilet and make Already, make yeah. as the first credits uh, scroll scroll up at the end of the film, they, um, they, the algorithm <laughs> gods are already telling you what you should watch next. Yeah. Do you get what I'm sure. saying? Mm. The one thing I can, however, say is that the made-for-TV movie has at least now changed in a good way, where someone like yourself, someone like Scorsese, can be making a movie for Apple. And, and it could still have dignity and art but it is lost to some degree in amongst the the content as you say but these are the people now funding the art because they have the they have the checkbook look D does does the art perhaps get lost in amongst love is blind perhaps <laughs> 
but it's at least still there and it is least and it's perhaps getting out this is just to be devil's advocate it is getting out to millions of more people than it would have perhaps in the cinemas it is but uh, the part of the business that uh, uh, people aren't talking enough about i believe is the death of the dvd the dvd the vhs the second shot at the market sure. essentially in terms yes. of the product yeah if, if you think about uh, so much product from the 80s 90s early 2000s right um that was missed in that cinema run yeah and gets its life think boondock saints i was about to say there's, there's so there's many perfect films. examples islander of these. Uh, it goes on and on where these films really got a life of their own in that other space yeah now in today's world right there is no real fundamental stream of income for the independent once he's given it over. Yeah, it's one check. It's one check. Yeah, and yeah. that's what part of the strike has been Correct. about. Correct, correct. And so that's part of, I think, we're at this lovely cusp where, as you've said, there's been this fundamental change and then now there needs to be some kind of correction, some course correction or some kind of admin correction where... They, it, this forced to strike. In many ways, this this fundamental change forced to strike. Well, it was the writers the, first, then the actors were like, "Okay, we agree." We also. But are, here's the thing with the strike, which is very interesting for me, which kind of uh, 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 denotes where the fundamental tide will end up. Okay. Okay. They haven't come to a fundamental resolution. Okay. Because really, what is the question at hand? It's the value stream. Yeah, Hollywood, if you look at its history, hasn't had too many of these types of strikes. You can actually count them. Yeah. And, there's a, and they're usually quite linked to what's happening to the economy. Think 2008 uh, with that crash. Yeah. And before that, it was a, quite a long period before the last mm. strike. And what is the fundamental reason? I believe it's because the commodity and the value of the product has changed. It's all good to picket. And hey, I'm one for every man. Yeah, but yeah. us on the street picketing, right? for wanting more. But what we've done is we've participated in the past 20 years at the derision of the value. The Hollywood of yesteryear was about that million dollar script, literally, mm. which had a fundamental equated value. But now because the, 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 the streams have changed in terms of how you distribute the work, right? And getting rid of the, the one that always saved us all, which was the DVD market, mm. right? Now... The streamers who just need content and who aren't telling us fundamentally what their numbers are yeah. and who are not really dependent on the individual products but going for more of a subscriptive form of engaging their yeah. audiences, right? Yeah. Um, they are struggling to denote the value of each individual film. Yeah. And that's why we are at the impasse that we're at. Yeah. What is the value of a known actor today? Yeah. Especially if they're doing a TV show and then they're also doing that. They're the splitting guy, themselves. Sorry yeah. to interrupt you. The black guy who did uh, um, The Falcon, he was supposed to be the next Captain America. Yeah. He put it very well in, in a great interview. He said, um, Anthony Mackie. Uh, yeah. He said, um, people don't go watch an Anthony Mackie movie. They go watch Captain America, you know? Yeah. And what that has fundamentally done is that Yes, we say it so many times, but we don't have box office stars anymore. You yeah. remember in your teenage years, there was yeah. a time yeah. where you'd go watch a Harrison Ford film. You didn't care whether it was an Indiana Jones or uh, regarding Henry. Yeah, sure. 
Well, yeah. So I'm of the belief that in this change, the household name will disappear. And it's very difficult to discuss it now because so many household names still exist, like Tom Cruise. They are like a household name is a person who you can't pinpoint one particular piece of work, but you know them. It's mm. like South Africa knows Kurt Darren, mm. but we don't we don't all know we can't all list Kurt Darren songs, but we know him. Mm. Um Tom Cruise, all those kinds of people. And and I think we're now in that era of media where because we now live in this algorithm society, we now live in this customized bubble where we're not all tuning into the eight o'clock movie on Mnet anymore. Correct. We are no longer going to have this economy of mainstream and this economy of the household name who could pull. You'll now know and love this artist, this musician, or most likely never heard of them. Now here's the question. Which is, which is exciting and challenging, especially from a marketing distribution economy point of view. I like to look at it with the point of saying as well, I agree with you, the excitement and the challenge together. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, so then what is the tomorrow looking like for the artists? Call it the auteur. Okay? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's almost saying at, at some point with the algorithm, with being given all of this stuff that isn't actually you <laughs> or that you like, there's a point in you where now as a consumer of material in this form, whether you're in the bus on your phone or, yeah. you know, At home, yeah. whatever the, the, the format is, it's the choice, isn't it? it, mm. it it's, it's, it's the articulation to say that I am, a, uh, in, in my understanding and knowledge of cinema, I am discreet enough to be able to, to find the pieces or the artists that I know to be great or put myself in a position where I can be exposed to new material that is mm. great. But the reference will always then have to be those pop culture references of whom we know to be artists or auteurs. Yeah. Um, it's like, it, it is akin to, um, which I don't have, by the way, uh, it is akin to uh, curating an Instagram page. Mm. So my career at some point is going to sit in an algorithm space where my name is worth curating in an, as a counter to algorithm. So if you wanting to get a sense of, I don't know, South African or African cinema, it is the responsibility of you consumer to go find those discerning names that if you type it in, mm. you will get, it'll take you down a rabbit hole of excitement of shit that you've never seen before. Yeah. All the way down, maybe you'll discover some, some unknown films, that, which is what we want to eventually do. Yeah. But right now, we're just going through, I think, a passive consciousness in terms of how we're using these tools. Yeah. But it'll get to a point where it settles and eventually we'll be able to be more discerning and tasteful yeah. in our yeah. consumption. No, it'll, it'll grow our... Yeah, it'll grow our, Yeah, that autonomy. It'll grow our own curating skills. But humans are generally quite bad at doing that. We need a lot of people to hold our hands. And so hopefully... You know, that's where places like the video store <laughs> hopefully help Correct. help uh, figure that stuff out. Um, but I think we could probably talk about this for hours and hours. Let's uh, let's perhaps, steer the direction. Let's brother. perhaps talk about the film. Yeah. Um, what does this one mean to you? Because um, I know in its history, it was almost at one point it could have been a TV show, but or like a sort of limited series. But then it it was brought back to film. Let me explain myself. So what is this one about? 
Okay, so in terms of what it means to me, it means a great deal. Um, every time I make a product, um, for me, it's a artistic journey. And in that journey, it's a search and a challenge for self. Um, if you look at my body of work, I've, I've, um, I go right across genres. Yeah, okay. I was about to say, that, that, yeah. is, that yeah. has been a strength. Um, that's definitely a signature of mine because as a lover of cinema, I love it all. Yeah. So there's a film for every genre. Yeah. yeah. And um, because of that, my endeavor works in that way. Um, the sports film, that's definitely, the American sports film is definitely one of my favorite genres. Okay. I can think of quite a few classic films that I'm like, those are in my top what were some of those? Bull Durham, The Natural. Uh, what's the De Niro thing with the boxing? Oh, Raging Bull. really bad. Raging Bull. Yeah, yeah. Um, but even less on that level. But some of the, some of the good uh, inspiring ones that are just such a formula, but they work so well, like Coach Correct. Carter and uh, um, Remember the Titans. and Even just even before Remember the Titans, remember uh, Gene Hackman in Hoosiers? Hoosiers? And I never oh, okay. used to be able to pronounce it. Oh, Hoosiers yeah. is probably the most champion basketball movie. Oh, cool. It uh, came out mid-80s. Okay. Mm, okay. That's, that's, that's the Coach Carter before Coach Carter. Okay. Um, there's a specific filmmaker a guy called Ron Shelton. Okay. He made um, the original White Man Can't Jump. Okay. Uh, I hate okay. even saying the original because really. Yeah, there um, shouldn't have been a oh, second. No. <laughs> in fact, that isn't a second. Can we just yeah, pretend yeah, yeah. It, it exists in a different universe? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ron Shelton made uh, White Man Can't Jump. He made uh, uh, Bull Durham. He, Tin Cup. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's the golfing one. Yeah. For me, if he is the quintessential godfather of the American sports film. Okay. Um, he has a, an innate ability of getting you, getting under your skin to a point where you are enjoying the spectacle of the sport and mm. are part of the spectacle of the sport in the film. Yeah. I remember that distinctly as a child. Okay. Very specific sports films that got me going. Yeah. Uh, the 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 running on the beach for chariots of fire. Da, 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 da. I mean, I watched chariots of fire when I was what eight. Yeah. Um. Well, we we gonna what we'd like to do is go through your life. So I think okay. I think at that point we'll we'll talk about some of these films that have come along the way. But 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 this one now specifically is about a soccer team, hey? Yes. And uh, why is it special to me? Because I wanted to answer specifically that okay. question. So it's applying that uh, a formula that I fell in love with, with the likes of people like uh, uh, Ron Shelton, and applying it to a local context. Okay. Um, one, who, uh, having grown up in the Eastern Cape, um, having grown up in rural Eastern Cape, uh, I'm, I was very much uh, uh, um, exposed to the sports culture of okay. the Eastern Cape. Uh, the Eastern Cape, in terms of colonial history, it... it, it 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 goes back all the way to the period of uh, the clergy coming in and 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 literally bringing sports to these communities. Okay. So if you go to the, uh, uh, the Eastern Cape, that's why uh, cricket, rugby, yeah. and boxing those three You've got such a yeah. It's because of uh, of Christianity brought us those sports. Okay. And somehow they 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 resonated and spoke to our hearts. 
So now in South Africa of today, which I've really explored in many films in in different ways of the dream deferred, um, sport becomes a clinging uh, uh, aspect of culture where everything has been eroded, uh, where you'll find in these little small uh, one street towns with nothing going for them. Yeah. But you'll find that dusty field mm. where it's the only place of social convergence mm. outside of a tavern. Yeah. And um, I really understood that space and wh uh, where, where the psychology was and also uh, uh, where aspiration and hope sits yeah. for people from places like that. And I just want, this brought an opportunity for me to be able to express that in the canvas of a, an American sports film. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Okay, lovely. How far away were you from Queenstown? Uh, Queenstown was about a 45-minute drive from okay. where I was. So okay, so that's not too far. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Same culture. Okay, so here we got a, it's a story of a sports team. Well, it's Sto about, a story of a, of a soccer team. It's about redemption, really. Uh, what we look at is a washed-up soccer player, soccer mm -hmm. star, uh, ex-Bafana Bafana player, who had probably his highest streak was going to Italy, but playing in Serie B, mm. came back to South Africa. But it's that, uh, and I can use the name because he's in the movie. It's that Jabu Matlangu uh, mold of bad boy who never took his all of his opportunities. Had, yeah, had yeah. Everyone spoke of how good he could have been, but didn't didn't seize the moment because okay, of discipline. Cool. Essentially, it's amazing. I can I can see all the American. Stories well, we've seen similar, right? Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a, Keanu imagine, Reeves and the replacements. There you go. Like, there everybody you go. spoke of how much potential <laughs> he had. Okay, you see right. what these films do. Yeah, this is great. my point. Yeah, but we have these stories, and so it's great to be telling them. So okay, so, so here our, he is. Our archetype is is that type of character who left home and never came back. So he left at seventeen with all of these prospects of of of, uh, of signing for all of these clubs. He left mm. the Eastern Cape rural home. His dad is, was a coach himself who actually was responsible for, for making him a protege. But mm. he never came back home. Okay. Came to Joburg, played for Sundowns, got scouted, went overseas, came back uh, and played for Sundowns again, but towards the latter part of his career. Make a long story short, the movie starts with his dad dying. Okay. So he has to go home for the first time in 18 years. Okay. And uh, en route home... He uh, decides to drink uh, en route, which is a very South yeah. African cultural thing. <laughs> yeah. That we really need to look at, peeps. Yeah, it's yeah. not a good look, eh? <laughs> so he gets pissed on the way home, uh, rushing to get to the funeral overnight. Yeah. Um, most Eastern Capers know that jaunt of an yeah. overnight trip back home. Yeah, yeah. We, we've all done it. And uh, except not as drunk as Buile does. And he gets stopped just as he's reaching the town of Queenstown. So he gets arrested. Okay. And in a dark Hollywood kind of way, it's a redemptive story about a guy who has to pick okay. up the pieces. And whilst okay. he does that, he meets his son that he left okay. 17, 18 years ago. And this kid is better than him. Okay. And uh, it's really about him connecting with the kid through the only thing he knows, which is football. Okay. And the little team that they have who have an opportunity of entering the most romantic cup in Africa which is the Ned Bank Cup. I'm not being paid to say this. It's, yeah, it, yeah, is it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Seven million bucks that you could win. Mm. And, uh, you know, you could be a small regional team from nowhere and you could play Sundowns and Kaiser Chiefs. Oh, is that how it works? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. that's cool. They, that's the whole point. They mix small division teams, obviously, who have their own mini leagues to qualify. 
Yes. But they mix them with the. It's like the equivalent of what happens with the English FA Cup. And I, the, I, I do not know how okay. how a lot of this works. So yeah, oh, okay. that, but that's cool. So it's the opportunity of low teams meeting the big teams. Oh, lovely. Yeah, so he ends up coaching his, his, his son's little team and they end up in the Nedbank Cup facing the mighty Sundowns. Okay, lovely. Yeah, so okay. that's, that's the... the f- yeah, that sounds great, man. That's, that's the movie, man. But what I think is great, and this is what I want to get into now, is that you've got this wealth of love of film across all genres yeah. where you understand the structure where these films sit. And of mm. course, as you've said, this film is going to sit within the, the, the foundation of the American sports film. Correct. Where so much has been laid out and so much gives you the opportunity to customize and make it your own. Correct. And it's a tried and tested scientific method totally. that we're applying. And that's, what, and that's what people need to realize often, especially when someone in a more undeveloped market, a country like South Africa that doesn't pump out films in the way in which America does, is that you realize that they do so much of that genre in their sleep. So that when a South African goes, I want to make a horror, I'm going to make a sci-fi, it's like, are you sure? Mm. Are you, you sure? Know, do you know the science of it? <laughs> because the because they, Americans like do that shit in their sleep. Correct. They have so much to lean back on, so much experience in terms of, and you know. Also, sorry to interrupt, on that point, growing up in the 80s, you know, um, the, the height of the video store, uh, for me, it was also quite clear because of how the marketing worked. I don't know, maybe it's because of apartheid or whatever. The yeah. heck, and, and the Cold War. Actually, it was more the Cold War. Um, there was a clear distinction of what and what the purpose of that particular film was. Okay, so you say if, Cold War because it was pushing, what, an American agenda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 There's, a, the, there's a distinct uh, articulation of, of, of the use of Hollywood for this kind of thing, right? Okay. They took over the world, really, culturally, in yeah. the 80s because of films. And you can imagine an American government stepping in and going, we can push our global agenda through our cinema industry, which is separate from us. Correct. It's that's just a money-making entity. Treaties of were our economy. Treaties were signed on this that define even how we consume material to this day. Treaties were signed. Literally, yes. It's not a coincidence, especially a child of the eighties and nineties, that you consume so much American fare versus anything else. Yeah. That it was all part of a very specific global policy. Yeah. So in the marketing, this is my point now. In the marketing, if you had a National Lampoon's uh, a Christmas Vacation or any European Vacation or any of these films, you understood quite clearly what it was there for. Mm. You know, let's take a, an average American family and let them go through cultural Europe and just take the piss out of everything. You know mm. what I mean? You could see the mechanisms behind it. So I grew up uh, 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 without even um, being conscious of it, but like a subconscious yeah. understanding of where do I place this plethora of different types of movies that that set as a palette? One of the more interesting things I remember hearing was if you were to make a war film, it is very expensive to get tanks and aircrafts and aircraft carriers and shit. So you're going to have to ask the army to borrow it. The army is only going to let you use it if the army's agenda 
comes through. Correct. So when you make an apocalypse now where you're criticizing the American government, you've got to fucking you get your... You have to be a multi-millionaire award-winning filmmaker you who can go get to your, a different country to get that Yeah, you've got to get your own helicopter. <laughs> so, interesting. Okay, so I think let's do this. Yeah. We've got our little structure here because now I want to, at this point, we've established <laughs> where, you, where you are right now with this film, which is out in Netflix, uh, across Netflix now. Very excited about that. Go get it, folks. Um... We want to journey through your life. Yeah. And we want to go through the films that you've loved. And so we've got these four films which we'd love to hear from you. And uh, these are films very similar uh, to the kinds of relationships you would have been having at that point in yeah. your life. Okay. So the first no, film. I love the psychology. You dig it. I'm with okay. this man. Let's you, go. You, there. <laughs> Let's okay. go so the first film is your puppy love film, which is. Define puppy love. So it's primary school and perhaps earlier. It's an innocent love. It's love letters. It's you're getting excited to just hold the person's hand. So the movie that is your puppy love film is the movie that was perhaps quite innocent, but it hit you in that sort of early phase where you were perhaps not even seeking it out, but it was something your parents showed you or something with siblings. Growing up in Eastern Cape, what kind of access did you have? Okay, so context is very important in this sense. Yeah. So being born in 1979... Uh, grew up in the Eastern Cape, East London primarily. That's where my father um, had life in Tanzania uh, Township. Shout out to my people there. But it was a different country. That's the context you need to have. It was the Republic of Siskai under the president of Charles Lennox Sabe. So we were a banana republic. I went to school in East London, living in Tanzania. These were two different countries. So every morning I'd leave uh, Tanzania to go from the Siskai to... Uh, South Africa to go to school and then come back. It's wild okay. how those 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 sort of micro countries existed. Absolutely insane. And uh, my father was. I knew very... of Babutatswana. Yeah, because I had family that lived in Mafeking. Mm-hmm. But I I wasn't too familiar with the others. You know? Yeah, and same system was applied. They created an elite, you know, um, is to give the idea that separate but equal, you know, black mm. people can have that which of their own. And uh, my father was very much a part of that elite. So I had privilege from as far as I can remember. I didn't, I think only sub A, I went to a quote unquote uh, Bandu education school. Oh, interesting. Uh, I'm a Model C kid from 1986, man. Um, have you seen, I don't want to have so I'm too about much to go of towards a, your question, but yes. Cool, but I don't want to have too much of a detour. But you're making me think about the Osage people in Scorsese's new film, yes. Killers of the Flower. Yeah, 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 yeah. How they were kind of. Given this land, they mm. had some sense of authority and power, but did they? Because mm-hmm. the bigger system was exactly. still kind of rigged against them. I, I specifically That's very used, interesting. I specifically used a term which was very much a, uh, a Jim Crow term of, 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 of American segregation, which was separate but equal. Mm. That's what they called the term. And it was a, an, a very condescending idea of, oh, hey, you can have black people who have... Wealth and, it's and like all you guys of these get this whole too. valley, but it's a shit valley. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. It's not the best valley, and it's perhaps not your first one exactly. that you were all at. Okay. So my dad, uh, um, he 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 uh, uh, took use of that system. He saw that system and found a gap for himself, and uh, just went with it. And he okay. reached the the tops of of uh, the top of this uh, society, if you will. So I was okay. a rich kid. Okay. In, a, in, a, in, a, in a bad neighborhood. Interesting. <laughs> no, but this is fascinating. And what that did for me gave me the privilege of going to the video store. 
okay. and having access to video machines and televisions and being able to just consume whatever the fuck I wanted. Yeah. Um, shout out to Videoland, okay. uh, which is no longer there. Sad. So many of them are no longer there. It was an institution in East London, one of the okay. most amazing spaces, man. The biggest video store I can, Im- yeah. you can imagine. Yeah. It was separated by a decade. And um, it was literally up the road from, from my house. It was run by a Greek man. And this is the time, remember, where you'd have separate entrances for blacks and whites. Oh, really? This yeah. guy didn't give a flying fuck. Yeah. He would leave me, and I'd be in there for like three hours just to select okay. that film. Do you get oh, what I mean? Okay. Okay. I'm my own algorithm. So trying to search and find that particular film that spoke to me. I'm my so own going, algorithm. I love it. Going back to your uh, question, my simple answer is Back to the Future, the first Lovely. Back to the Future. That's my puppy love movie. I wanted to be Marty McFly. I wanted yeah. his fucking hair. I was yeah, obsessed yeah. with Michael J. Fox. That bomber jacket that thing. Bomber that bomber jacket. Sleeveless. I totally understood his plans for that weekend, even though you know I hadn't uh, done anything yeah. like that with girls. But the fact yeah. that he, he needed that truck, he needed that weekend. Mm-hmm. And how dare Biff take his dad's fucking car and crash it for that weekend? Love yeah, uh, Marty okay. McFly and yeah. uh, Back to the Future 1. That's my puppy love okay. movie. Lovely. Great choice. But I just love the idea of you already from what was probably a young age, you know, very meticulously sifting through that, that mm. video store. Oh, yeah, I was very discerning. And being your own algorithm, I love mm. that. Mm. It took me hours, man, to find a title. Hours. Because, yeah. remember, because of the packaging, you know, yeah. you could consume... A film selling itself to you. It's yeah. like being in a library with a book, literally, yeah. you know? Yeah. And um, I would do that whole, and that's a time-consuming thing. Yeah. And and the Back to the Future, that was the, yeah, it's the wonder of it. It's the Spielberg wonder where... Um, and he left us hanging for quite a while. Uh, what's his name? Zemeckis. Zemeckis, yeah. Mm. But uh, it, it is Spielbergian, obviously. Spielberg, that's what I mean. Yeah, yes, it's a yes. Spielbergian He thing. produced it. Yeah, he was he was involved. But you can definitely feel his energy. You can understand that magic. Yeah. Okay. Then we get over to high school, which is uh, perhaps a little more dangerous. Mm-hmm. You're doing stuff. Yes. Um, you're wondering. You're exploring. You're trying to figure out your. You, you're becoming more your own person. Yeah. Uh, you crush. You crush hard. So curious to know at around sort of high school, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Um, what, what films might have come your way? So. Um, my teenage, I'm sorry, my, 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 my uh, uh, pre-teenage years, I really consumed uh, a lot of uh, uh, commercial fare. Then I'd say probably going from back in the day, standard five into standard six, into the teenage space, mm. um, I started going a little darker. Yeah. And into 70s Casavetes type of cinema. Oh, shit. So I was uh, uh, starting to get into... Um, What's his name? Who's the auteur as well? Uh, he did Badlands. Uh, Malik. I started getting into the Maliks of the world. Tri- tri- uh, uh, Terence Malik. Yeah. Casavetes, Scorsese, of course. Jeez, I remember the I, first. I mean, I know the name Casavetes, but what are some of the big ones? Um, my favorite is, uh, um, uh, what is that uh, about the Chinese book, uh, bookie? What is that? Uh, the Killing of a Chinese Book. Uh, bookie. Oh, mm. Killing of a Chinese Bookie. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a very good film. He's, okay. That it's not quite. How would I? How would you describe independent seventies cinema? Yeah, dark and brooding. Yeah, would be my my word, and very okay. different to the palette that I I was quite used to. 
Okay. And the one that's... Where, where you yeah. get... Sorry. Yeah. No, where, no, no. Where you getting dark and breedy? Yes, by, as a, by, as by an, definition. As an individual. Yes, 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 yes. If I were to have hung out with you or met you on the playground, like... Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Surface level, uh, no, I was a, a friendly kid. Okay. But I was discovering that um, th- there was cinema that was all about dark teenage angst. Yes. Badlands is one of them. We forget those two kids were teenagers. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing Bonnie and Clyde and, and being hit by that. I know even though the actors were older, but they were playing teenagers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I got into uh, Brat, uh, the Brat Pack cinema. Okay. Your Rob Lowe films. Mm. Um, especially his, like, uh, he, he made a lot of sex-driven, kind of angsty 80s uh, 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 um, teenage films. Yeah. Uh, one of them being, uh, what was that? Bl- something Blood, True Blood? Okay. Something like that. It was a hockey movie with Patrick Swayze and uh, okay. uh, 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 Rob Lowe. But I got into the Brat Pack. St. Okay. Elmo's Fire. Yes. Uh, those films. Okay. Um, there was, was there something earlier that, sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, you no go ahead. Go. I went, no, when I interrupted you, you mm. were about to say something. As that, My thoughts that, go. That train has, has left the has, station. Has left the station. <laughs> but I, I, oh, okay. okay. So, and then I discovered speci- a specific actor. Yes. I think this is what you were going to say. Which was uh, Sean Penn. Okay. The young Sean Penn of Against All Odds. Um, no, 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 sorry. That, that's uh, uh, Jeff Bridges. Um, a young Sean Penn who played um, the son to Christopher Walken in a movie called uh, A Close Range. Okay. You've got to get this fucking movie. Dude. Okay. It's called A Close Range. A Close Range. Yeah. I think uh, uh, Sean Penn must have been like 19. Even his brother who died uh, was in the movie. They played two brothers who uh, who had grown up with their father, a career criminal, who comes home. Okay. And uh, now it's about the influence of, think of Christopher Walken being uh, Sean Penn's dad okay, and well, influencing him into, into crime. Okay. What made the film quite famous was the soundtrack. It's a time when Sean and uh, Madonna had hooked up. So Madonna did him a favor and did the soundtrack. Okay. This movie is brooding, it's dangerous, it's teenage me. Okay. At close range. At close range. That's your high school crush film. Yeah, yeah. I would give it that. Okay. It's not the distinct one, but there's but so the one, many. Yeah. It defines me of that period, I would say. Yeah. The fact that instinctively you choose it is the answer we're looking for. Like, well, you if you discover along this chat that perhaps there was a better one. but At cl- close range, people. Close go range. watch that movie. Okay. Um, if you, I don't think we've experienced seething teenage danger. Okay. In an actor, yeah, like uh, 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 Sean Penn uh, portrays. Okay. Uh, spoiler alert in it. Portion of the film is about him being on trial for killing his dad, for killing Walken. Okay. So it's about, and I'm, and I'm telling you this so that you really appreciate that the film is about him getting to that point. Okay. How does a kid get to a point where they would kill their own father? Brilliant wow. movie. Okay. Jesus, you've sold it. Thank you. Um, okay, now <laughs> now we leave school. Yeah. Did we go study? What did we do? So we're still in the Eastern Cape. Where are we sort of in our twenties? Okay, so there's a, a a distinct event that I need to just quickly re- rewind and get to, which really threw the trajectory of where I was to go, which is um, at the age of thirteen, going on to fourteen, I experienced uh, a heavy trauma in that my father shot himself. Okay. 
Uh, but he did it in a very distinct way. Not only did he shoot himself, but he shot his girlfriend. My dad was uh, <laughs> a a, uh, a uh, what, what's the ca- character that uh, um, uh, 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 Scor- <laughs> Scorsese? No, no, not Scorsese. Um, <laughs> the ultimate gangster on on screen. The ultimate gangster. Godfather. No. No. That's more mafioso organized okay. crime. But I'm talking about flashy gangster in your face, man. The the Cuban that uh, Pacino hey, played. Scarface. Scarface. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Tony. That's the character. Tony, Tony Montana. Mon- T- Tony Montana. My dad was a Tony Montana. With oh, really? all due respect. But yeah. And if you grow up as a child of a Tony Montana, you get to see a lot of shit. Jesus Christ. So, okay. Oh, so was there, was there some trade, some... Well, you see, that's why I chose that movie against all. I mean, sorry, uh, um, uh, at close range. Yeah. Because this really, relationship with the dad, this correct. complicated relationship. Correct. My father, for all intents and purposes, uh, and being the great man that he was, he exposed me to um, his life, which a big portion of had a lot of darkness and criminality. Okay, there was complications. There. Yeah. Okay. So, um, at a very early age, uh, not to myself. But I witness violence, major mm. violence uh, towards other people. I witness yeah. uh, organized crime mechanisms working. Obviously, I witness apartheid too, and fascism and government fascism. And did you feel? All of these did things. you feel relatively safe yourself? Oh yeah, I was because, the safest kid in. Because you were protected. No, no one by... would fuck with Tony Montana's kid, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. uh, I've since discovered many things about my father and who he 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 was and why he was able to be the Tony Montana that he was. You know, but that's a whole yeah. other episode. I saw something great on the internet, which was that particular kind of Italian loafer shoe. Yeah. It was a picture of the shoe, and it said, "If your dad wore this shoe." You have siblings you've never met. My dad, had, <laughs> my dad had maybe 15 of those shoes, pairs of those okay. shoes. I'm are not you, joking. No are, hyperbole here. Yeah, and yeah. I have no idea how many fucking siblings I have. You, you could I stopped have. counting at eight. Jesus. <laughs> you know, okay. So Fuck what no. it did, and which is what I'm grateful for the most, is that um, the turbulence and the insanity of my father's life and me being able to witness it for 13 years gave me material that not even Scorsese would fucking wish he had. Well, because, I mean, it ended, by the sounds of it, in a Tarantino-esque... It, it ended in a very uh, tragic event. He he murdered his girlfriend. And this is also a year before uh, apartheid... Uh, and, well, a year before democracy, 1993. Yeah. He, he had a girlfriend who was uh, 20, 28 years younger than him. Yeah. So he shot her, and then eventually he shot himself. But yeah. there was a, a gap between shooting her and himself. Yeah. And in that period, we got to interact. So um, oh, by the shit. time he left, I was quite clear of why he did, which I'm grateful for as a 44-year-old man. Yeah. The least he, he did was tell us why. Otherwise, I would have built up all sorts of shit and blamed myself. Yeah. So with this tragic event happening, what essentially what it did was cinema became my uh, therapy. Okay. So literally coming into a theater with lights off and knowing yeah. that I'm going to disappear for two hours into somebody else's life, yeah. somebody else's problems, somebody yeah. else's issues um, was an escape for me. Yeah. The longer the movie, the better for me. Yeah. You know, I grew up in a, in a space that way. So my relationship with cinema 
was at first was then now in this second degree a form of escapism yeah to 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 cope and then once i started to engage the worlds of what i was seeing on screen i mean i remember the first time i watched pulp fiction yeah fundamental you know that thing it does yeah. to you inside yeah. that uh, cannot articulate life is, life is different now it's different yeah. eyes your eyes are different after you watch uh, pop fiction for the first time or yeah. even uh, something like um Rage fight the fight, fight club the fight of uh, something like fight club um those films uh just had a visceral yeah. thing in them but and like mean streets as well and other scorsese works but the reason why i'm mentioning them is that every time i'd walk out of those visceral experiences I felt I had something to add or contribute yeah to the culture of global cinema. Yeah. I'd love to now talk about for a moment talk about of good report because we as the bioscope were like we want to be a cinema for we want to champion local stuff. We want to be the place that screens that film for you know even a week longer than normal cinemas that take the local stuff off for the new Spider-Man, right? Correct. And with lots of love and respect, there were a handful of South African films that came our way where we were like, okay, not the greatest, but complicated. They clearly didn't know what they were doing or they were trying real hard. And there wasn't a confidence where they took your hand and held you through it and, and said, you know, this is the story I want to tell. And you're yeah. like, I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. Of Good Report was one of the first that came to me where I was like, he has got me. He's got me confidently watching this movie. Mm. And what a celebration because it can be a small independent film. Yeah. But you so clearly understood your story and your characters. And why I want to talk about this now specifically is because there was this Tarantino-ness to it. And what I mean specifically by that is Tarantino is able to take his movie and scenes can be a short film in themselves. Yes. There's this that he he can he can hold you in this moment, like let's pretend the Inglorious Bastards, which was that interview scene with the people under the oh, yeah. rafters, right? Yes. That could be a short film on its own. Oh yeah, yeah. So like in of Good Report, which is we don't have to get sort of too much into it, but it's about a teacher who finds himself in a compromised situation with a student, and it's his unraveling. But there's that scene in the bathroom, yes, where he's he he finds himself trapped in a bathroom stall and you looking at his panic and you looking at him looking through the things. And I just remember thinking, fucking Jamil's got it. You've got that confidence. Mm. And I remember thinking like, I love it. I'm here for it. I'm here yeah. for it a hundred percent. And it was one of the first few South African films in that time of the bioscope where I was like, this is a man to watch. Wow, you, you understand the genre. You understand the template. You understand the scene and that scene itself holds you. Mm, mm, mm. So you were off guns blazing with that. Oh, thank you. That scene essentially was inspired by um, a scene in uh, in the movie um, The Cook, The Thief, His Wife and the Lover and Her okay. Lover. You heard that? You know heard that of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've forgotten the filmmaker's name. No, but it's okay. The reason why I feel sad about the fact that I've forgotten the filmmaker's name is because I've met him. I've met him and I've spent an evening having dinner with him. Okay. <laughs> and uh, we were in Stockholm, Sweden, and I was uh, uh, trying to explain to him that uh, he inspired a scene out of my film. Lovely. In the movie, there's a scene where the, the, the gangster's girl, uh, played by Helen Mirren, she goes to the bathroom 
and uh, she has a little tryst with uh, with uh, her lover. And while she has that tryst, the the gangster walks into the bathroom, and they're stuck in the in, mm. in the actual toilet. Yeah. After that, it becomes a totally different scene to mine. Sure. So, but mine was inspired by that, and also it was inspired by an episode in Breaking Bad when Jesse was stuck in the in the van with the uh, uh, what's his name, the bald DEA agent. The okay. Uh, Esposito, what's his name again? No, no, no. Uh, um, uh, Walter White's uh, brother-in-law. Okay. Now, the, the, I, the, I, I haven't, to be honest, I haven't watched a lot of Breaking Bad. Oh, you need to. I know. Even to this day. I you know. need to. It's, I it's, know. It has made a fundamental uh, 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 contribution to cinema. I know this. To cinema. Not even just Not even television. TV shows. No, cinema. No, no, As no, I've I, just said to you, there's a scene there where, okay. where Jesse's stuck in, in this thing. The DEA agent is outside, mm. outside of the van, and he can't get out. Yeah, and okay, um, so it taught me so much about the cause and effect chain, and just how you, as the storyteller and the writer, you've got to walk it. Mm. The problem with um, not just South African, even Americans make the same mistake. Uh, um, we look for a shortcut, and that shortcut uh, uh, creates questions of plausibility. Because you didn't walk the situation, yeah, well, you understand? Yeah, what I think just so often happens is is a film is so realized in someone's head, communicating that step by step, pace by pace, scene by scene, can be difficult. And Especially you lose emotionally. That, yeah, and you lose that objectivity. And so yeah. sometimes you watch a film where you're like, why is he, who's he, why do they do that? And you realize like, he, the filmmaker knew exactly what was going on, but he just failed to... Which is, through, why, which is why the Americans, why, when we talk about the Americans, they just know you've got to have the meat cute. You've got to have Let's the, call this. it the studio system. The studio system. The, That's the much better way to yeah. put it because these are studios that know how to pump these things out. And they've done it for over half a decade. Yeah. I mean, sorry, half a century. Yeah. Um, even with that in mind, coming to my current movie, Queenstown Kings, I've done and applied the exact same method. It's a sports film. So you got to get into the sport and the psychology of the sport. Whether or not someone likes one it or not. One plus one equals two. They will eventually go with it Yeah. if you give them the right threads. Yeah. But uh, we as filmmakers, uh, um, the majority of us tend not to want to walk that, 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 that road. You mentioned of good report. Part of it, which was really insane even for myself to be able to go through it, Actors always talk about uh, character acting, right? Immersing themselves in the role. Shit, try be the writer and immerse yourself into a situation. I had to be Parker Satola, this murderous uh, uh, um, villain yeah. uh, who, who, who preys on children. And literally, I had to put myself through a cause-effect chain of saying, if I murdered a kid in a bedroom, yeah. what would I do with that body? Yeah, yeah. And unless you ask yourself that question yeah. and look for real answers, truthful answers, yeah, that's actually, you, will create, that, yeah. you will never create a situation right? Yeah. that transcends to a viewer sitting somewhere and being like, shit, that is real. Yeah, because I don't know how to cut up a body. Correct. So if I have to do it for the first time and I've got my back against the wall... I would you, be you, an idiot. You've got. I it. would do it badly. Exactly. <laughs> and then it's like, how yeah. do you get rid of that body in a shack in a township where you have yeah. no space? Yeah. You have you no have privacy. No, exactly. And and, and then understanding. You, that, and then you yeah. got to walk the streets of it too. Yeah. So 
that's how my filmmaking works. Yeah. I found a formula from the greats that I like to apply, which is really about the cause and effect chain. It doesn't matter what the storyline is, mm. which is why I love jumping genres. Yeah. It's because at the end of the day, it means that w the story I've selected, it means that I have to walk those shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So of Good Report, I think is available on Showmax. It's available on all of the formats. It's on Amazon. It's on Netflix. It's it is on, on Netflix. Showmax. Yeah. No, no, you have no great... excuse to not yeah. watch Of Good Report. <laughs> no, it's just lovely. Um, okay. But now... Sorry. Have I actually we, have, have we... one very interesting thing to share with you, Anna, Okay. And then I'll shut up. Okay. <laughs> this is very interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's almost like setting up your own destiny. Okay. Okay. Being the film student that I am, right? Whenever, whatever film I, I, I take on, based on a genre, based on whatever, I start to put references around it. I've just spoken to okay. you about Ron Shelton and, uh, you know, the American sports film. Yeah, yeah. So, with a good report, what was that? That was the origins of a serial killer story. Yeah. Okay? That is a very specific uh, genre, the serial yeah. killer story. Yeah. It's told from the serial killer's perspective. Yeah. There's very specific films that do that. Uh, Clockwork Orange, um, one of the uh, uh, Silence of the Lambs movies does yeah. that, one of them. Um I think it was actually the precursor. But point yeah. being, there's there's a few of these. Um, and for me, I needed to find my references and I needed to see who's done what and mm. who's been the best at that particular genre. Okay. So whenever I go into a genre, make sure, I make sure. It's not just about the main guys who do it. I go right deep. Yeah. And what I discovered was a film you got to play, my friend. Okay. Okay. It's called Henry, a Portrait of a Serial Killer. Henry. Portrait of a Serial Killer. Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer, directed by jo uh, uh, John McNaughton. This movie was made in 1984, starring Michael Rooker. You know the great Michael Rooker with that voice? Okay. He okay. was in uh, um, uh, Natural Born Killers. He was uh, in Saving yeah, yeah. Private Ryan, yeah, 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 yeah. JFK. Okay. Pretty big actor. Oh, and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the blue guy with the... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's Michael Rooker. Yeah. So he was the lead in this movie, made in 1984. Okay. The movie... Did not get distribution. Okay. Okay. It was effectively without officially, it was banned. Okay. Okay. Not not for release. It was like, okay. nope, this is too much. Okay. And it was only released in 1987. Okay. Much later. And uh, just straight into DVD fare. But it was it didn't get its cinema release. And uh, it was looked upon in that particular way. I consciously chose that film as my framework in terms of perspective. And you can imagine taking the perspective of a serial killer hits hard and I, yeah. probably harder than I expected for audiences because mm. I was giving them insights on what triggers these types of people mm. and why they go that way. Mm. Of Good Report was banned. I didn't have distribution for quite a few years yeah. after that. Just to touch on that. So it, it literally took the same route that uh, the film that inspired me and yeah. I didn't even copy it. Just yeah. the fact that it came from a similar perspective. Wild. Yeah. Because I remember when that happened, Off yeah. Good Report was going to open Durf, Durban. Yes. And the Film and Publications Board weren't willing to give you a rating for it, right? Well, they called it, they classified it as child pornography. And they said that we had to hand over everything of, within a period of, of, of 10 days. Yeah. Uh, either show that we've uh, destroyed hard drives, anything with the film, or we've handed it in to the nearest police station. That was the order. But I mean, it's not that. Nobody's ever gotten an order like that. It's not child porn. Of course not. The it might have themes of it. 
Not no, teams. I mean, it was a it was a schoolgirl. Well, let me tell you their rationale. Yeah. Their rationale was that, um, and it's in our legislation, right? Yeah. Their rationale was any depiction of an illicit relationship between a, an adult and a minor constitutes child pornography. Any depiction. Yeah, Never is, mind that the geez. actress at the time was 22 years old and she had a child. And this happens across our country and you are trying to make a comment Correct. about it. Which I think really was the fundamental issue. Remember the time we were at, um, we were under the Jacob Zuma uh, regime mm. and he was exercising um, an extension of power all the way down to intelligence. Yeah. Okay. So he was trying to create a certain kind of headspace. And I remember being accused of uh, portraying black people in a bad light. Yeah. And I, my immediate answer was, black people don't need me to portray them in any light. <laughs> we can do our own thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't need me for that. And uh, fundamentally, of good report came from what I experienced as a teenager. Yeah. At 16 years old, in the township of Somerset East in Tanzania, where I, as a 16-year-old who was interested in girls, was jostling all the fucking time with teachers for the girls that I liked, who yeah. were my age, yeah. that I should be dating. Yeah. But a lot of them were being uh, abused yeah. by principals. And You uh, saw it, yeah. I saw it. It was part of the culture. Yeah. We drank with these people in taverns. Yeah. So I had huge insight. Yeah. Into that mindset yeah. and the mindset of that predator. And on the day of that Durban, you 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 took what was now a cancelled film. You, yes. You weren't able to screen it for opening night, and you guys used it as a as a chance to tell everybody what's happening. Shout out to Peter Machen, who was the head of Durban at the time. Yeah. Um, there yeah. was a screen. There was a on the big screen. You guys wrote something. It was the disclaimer that was sent to us. Yeah. Which you, says that this film is, uh, is is not fit for uh, South African audiences because yeah. it has not been passed by the Film and yeah. Publication Board. And and that's what you guys did. Correct. Yeah. And it, it and of course now it's in it's, it's on streaming platforms nationwide. It's on streaming platforms nationwide. <laughs> so it just but just it points it it points that out. It's one thing if there were such bad scenes that it's not on streaming platforms nationwide. It just shows you how silly that ruling was. Guardian UK, uh, I forget the name of the critic, but he's a, he's a top UK film critic for the, for the Guardian, um, released a list, this was 2018, of their favorite uh, African films. Yeah. It was number 13. Lovely, man. That's incredible. Mm. Um, did we cover what the It's Getting Serious film is, which is your sort of... Varsity era. Okay, let me give it to you quickly. Career, yeah. It actually came way earlier, but it just was a flag that was with me all the time. Yeah. yeah. It was Oliver Stone's platoon and uh, anything he made up to Natural Born Killers. And including Natural Born Killers? Including okay, Natural yeah. Born Killers. Cool. There was nothing that man could do wrong. But yeah. more than anything for me was I was so enthralled by a storyteller who you could see in the work had vast knowledge of his subject matter okay. to such a degree that he had a very distinct political perspective on it mm. and had a way of saying, this is my perspective yeah. without saying that, but that's what he essentially said. Yeah. Think of a film like Platoon where you know the social, or you've been given an understanding of the social order of American 
military. We're still trying to understand Vietnam. But, but yeah, he, he yeah. subverted that and probably gave us our most sober perspective of it. Yeah, yeah. A, the most human perspective Where of the, it. Where right from the cover was that character being sort of pummeled with his hands up in the uh, air. We all, that's the we, best, all, oh, we all know that image, whether you've seen Platoon or not. And that was showing the, not defeat, but it was showing just the complication of Vietnam where it was so bloody and so, yeah. I'm such a fan of that film that um, by the grace of my creator, I've been blessed enough to have met at least four of the actors in the film. Okay. I've met Tom Berenger. I had the opportunity. Tom Berenger's role in that film is one of the best villains on, on cinema screen that okay. we've ever had. It's not yeah. celebrated enough. It's not okay. studied enough. It's not articulated enough. Okay. He's Sergeant Barnes. Okay. Is the most evil uh, yeah. uh, character that you can... And it needs a rewatch for me. But oh, yeah. that okay. character was insane. I've met him. I've met Willem Dafoe. Yeah. What um, was Dafoe like? Humble. Seems like, uh, he seems like such a cool dude. Disappears. Yeah. He, he's even how I met him. I met him at uh, at a festival in in Korea. Um, it was a room full of people just doing their. I think a speech was being given, and I saw him. And you know, I didn't want to be the fan thing, but I just you know meandered. Made along sure you you right hobnobbed over, yeah. And I just I just had to just shake the hand, and he understood. He looked in the eye, and and, and I just just like it's a respect, brother. I'm not gonna bother you. But yeah. Thank you. Lovely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, platoon, okay. platoon. Okay. That's then um, now we get to the end. Yes. Some form of the end where we have the film you would settle down with. Um, if I never had to watch another movie again. Yeah. It's, 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 the, is, it's uh, the idea of like the film you would marry. Oh, that's that's very easy. Okay. Mississippi Burning. Mississippi Burning. Starring Willem Dafoe and Gene Hackman. Okay. Made in 1986. Woo! Okay. I don't know. it. You don't know Mississippi Burning? I don't. Sorry, 1988. I don't. Please go okay. Google it, find it, go watch that movie. All right. The perfection of filmmaking. Ah, I forget his name now, the English director. But he okay. was one of my favorites. He also made a film with Mickey Rook and De Niro called Angel Heart. Okay. And also one with Burn. Dennis Quaid called Come and See the Paradise. Oh, and then later he made a film, which I didn't like that much, with uh, Kevin Spacey, The Life of um, David Gale. The David yeah, he was Sa same director. Okay, British dude, but Mississippi Burning is for me okay. perfection when it comes to filmmaking. If I didn't have to see Why? any other movie, watch the movie, you'll 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 see. It, it deals with subject matter that you're aware of. It's uh, set in the '60s, and it's about uh, three uh, liberal um, young men activists. Who are who go down to the south? Ellen Parker. Is Ellen the... Parker. People, this is one of the greatest filmmakers <laughs> okay. of all time. I just didn't want that to leave, be hanging. Okay, I'm, I'm so glad you okay. did that because okay. Ellen Parker, his right. influence on me, not just on me, he's one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. Okay, Mississippi Burning. I'll be right. okay. I mean, it, it deals with heavy. It deals with racism. It's a murder mystery. Okay, okay. it's a cop. bit of a whodunit. Ah, uh, yes. But okay. told through the eyes of these two FBI detectives, Defoe and 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 Gene Hackman who do one of the best one-twos you will ever see on screen. Okay, so man. the writing was, was oh. shit hot. Okay. Visceral in its take on racism in a way that when I watched it the first time, I was probably maybe 12, but it took me, man. Okay. In not the condescending way that we see today, how the, 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 the politics override, you know? Mm. Um, it really looked at how the people in the in-between are. 
you know, we talk about apartheid and uh, the system of it, but mm. what were the citizens like? What yeah. were the people who allowed it to kind of carry on? It does a similar thing, but it looks at the, um, uh, at the South. Yeah. It looks at the Ku Klux Klan. Oh, shit. Uh, beautiful movie. Okay. Uh, great soundtrack. Great visuals. Great editing. Okay. Go see it. Ah, oh, lovely. Interesting. Because we once gave you the honor, and we speak about this every now and again, the honor of the If I Owned a Cinema, which is a private event that the Bioscope yes. hosts when the time is right, when the person is right, where we give you the film, we give you the cinema for the night. Yes. And you chose... Um, uh, what's the, Harakiri? Harakiri, yes, Harakiri, yes, 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 yes. Love that movie. Which is an incredible Japanese film, oh, which yeah. is all about this Kobayashi guy, guy committing this kind of ritual suicide and told from different perspectives. They tried to remake it; it was a mess. Yeah, but interesting that you chose that when it was your night in the cinema. But your all-time favorite is Mississippi Burning. Oh yes, um, I'm quite distinct about what works for me and what might work. What what, might what I want to, 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 to give to everybody else. Okay. But also the reason why I chose it that, in that time, uh, Kobayashi for me is one of the most underrated and uh, not spoken enough filmmakers of that period. I think mm. everybody goes for Kurosawa. Kurosawa Everything yeah. is Kurosawa. And Kurosawa, yes, is brilliant. Yeah. But if you spoke to Kurosawa, even during that period, the person that he'll always talk about is Kobayashi. Um, this film is special, man, in, in every way. It's so timeless, Harikiri. Yeah. In any time or period, that film will always be relevant. Yeah. Mm. It's like 12 Angry Men. Yes, exactly. Which, exactly. Is, which is such an oh, incredible film. Oh, I watched bro. that. So I watched Harry Kiri in lockdown. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh my God, this was such a great choice of yours. And also a film like 12 Angry Men. 12 Angry just Men is insane. Timeless, timeless oh, cinema. It's oh. just dudes in a room deciding the fate of someone in a jury system. And they walk you through it. Ugh. How do they get to that decision? Oh, okay, listen, you and me can talk about film forever. Brother, this has been so awesome. <laughs> we should maybe have you come back in a I would love to. This is insane. Um, this has been really good. But The Queenstown Kings is on Netflix now. And it's just so nice to have another film by you. And um, we're just going to keep enjoying all the stuff that you you bring us. So thank well, you. Well, bless you. Yes, I'm, 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 I'm happy to be engaging this new space now of... Uh, um, how do we consume our materials? I I, I grew up uh, with the dream of cinema and the video store. Video mm. store is gone now. Now we live in the world of algorithms, but we got to live and be mm. discerning even in that space. So yeah, I'll have, it'll be my fourth film on Netflix. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go Love get it, guys. You won't be disappointed. Love Queenstown it. Kings. Thank you, my guy. We'll see you soon. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. All right, what a good chat. Wow. Smart sure. dude. Smart dude, articulate dude. Intense. And um, he, he's had an interesting life. Very interesting. <laughs> More interesting than most, I'd say. Yeah, mm. and, and I just really appreciate him. I, I think, you know, someone who's, who's been doing it for so long really just adds so much value and just so much so much to our industry. There's this video of him that's that's gone a little viral, at least in our in our sort of social media circles, of one of these kind of stuffy, somewhat boring conferences where some government guys are sitting behind a table and they're talking about funding or models or the film industry. And 
And he, he stands up. I, I implore someone to go and find this somehow. So Jamil stands up and says, like, don't bullshit us, man. Like, you're not, you guys don't care. Like, Oh, nice. You know, you're not, Straight. don't don't stand here and say you, you're helping when you're doing this or you're doing that. Like, and he really just cuts through the bullshit. And, oh, good. And, and he does it in such a, yeah, smart and articulate way. Um, I really got a lot of time for him. And he's such a cool dude. That's excellent. So yeah, um, the Queenstown Kings is is on Netflix, and it's clearly South Africa is getting the message. So, um, but join them and let us know what you think, and perhaps also let us know what some of your sports films are. Your the the American sports film. We sort of talk about it as if it's this genre, which it very much is. Um, and those are just such good films. So if you've got ones that we didn't mention. And you got ones that you love. Let us know. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's uh, let's have ourselves a little chat, CK. Yeah. What have you been watching? Um, I have watched something. I think it's quite old. It's called Quarterback. Okay. Which is um, a Netflix show about the quarterbacks in the NFL. They nice. follow the lives of three, and you just see the 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 mental gymnastics they have to do. You see the the pounding their bodies take. It's insane. Yeah. Um, and this is like an actuality show. This is yeah, yeah. It's like a like a docu series. Okay, yeah, and it goes into their lives. I think that's just you know Netflix started it with um, Drive to Survive, right? And that was such a, a success because it really took you yeah. backstage. No, to, I love Drive to, to Survive. Yeah. And I think they just were like, how do we do other sports? Exactly. And of course, with American football, which is such a silly sport. Um, <laughs> The only way to really go at it is through someone like the quarterback, who is the star of the show. They they lead the whole operation. Hundred percent. There is something ridiculous, like how much actual gameplay there is. You know, from the moment they go like hut, yes, huck, or whatever it is, and they take the ball and they throw it. Yeah. If you combine all of that actual, when the when the play is in, in when it, motion, yeah. A football game is something like 11 minutes long? Yes, this is true. Yeah. Which is insane. It's, it is everything, insane. Everything else is planning, Can't. setting up, moving, strategizing, Oaks coming off, guys coming on. It's interesting. Yeah? It's very interesting. And contrasting that to like baseball, or if you're, you know, talking about American Base- sports, yeah. it's like that's 17 days. <laughs> okay, <laughs> no, it's long. like it's long. No, baseball is yeah. very long. It's like, a, it's like a cricket game. You sort of... You, park there. You park there and you got your newspaper and you hang out. Yeah. I went to one. It was fun. And it was empty by the time it started. Um and it was packed by the time we left. So That's just people just slowly like wander in. Trickle in. Over the course of the thing. Um oh. but you went last week to a premiere that we got invited to as the video store. You went to watch the Hunger Games prequel. Yes. Of songs and snakes. What's it called? The Ballad of Songbird. The Ballad of Songbirds. Songbirds and there's snakes think so. involved. There are snakes involved. Yes, snakes the on a plane. The Ballad of Songbird and Snakes. Yeah, it's been. It was interesting. I I enjoyed it. I think it was well done. Um, unfortunately, and like I I really do. I think I'm not. I, I come across as like I always want to find something wrong in, in in films and I don't. I really was rooting for it. But I unfortunately, I feel that the lead actress spoiled it for me. Oh, why? Well, I think I 
from a performer, being a performer and an actor myself, I have, you know, obviously not going to name names, but I've I've had to work with very selfish actors before. It's very difficult and it's laborious. And you can unfortunately see that come across. It's it's um, difficult an, to connect with her. If an actress is selfish. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I could understand you feeling that behind the scenes on something. Yeah, you but can how see does it. But how does that... How does that present itself on screen? Well, you could. It, it's it's difficult to connect with her. It's difficult to believe that she's embodying it. It's very. Um, it's in a way superficial. So her performance for me was a little bit, not a little bit, a lot superficial, and I struggled to believe her. Other than you watching her, but it's upstaging the other actors and not really making space for everybody else in the scene, for instance. Oh. So it's kind of, yeah, it's a it's a, an intuitive thing as well when you watch someone and you go, ugh. Because you don't want to, you know. Okay. Yeah. No, but that's interesting. Yeah. Because, because so much of what actually gets put on the screen can be up to other people to dictate. You know, so, so sure. a director could go like, Stop using your hands or, you know, (laughs) give me me more. Or you could even edit it in such a way. You could. So that this person doesn't upstage. So it's interesting. To to a degree, yes. Okay. To a degree. Like you can edit, you can edit performances better. Yes. And timing and things like that. You can obviously edit better being an editor myself. I know that. But like, it's not, it's a continuous, um, it's just, uh, the okay. perf- her performance ruined it for me. And, okay. and and it's not necessarily obviously bad, if yeah. that makes sense. It's not yeah. like, oh, this is an obviously bad performance. But I just, it, it to me was not really about that actor or character. They weren't, they weren't serving the story. It they wasn't were, serving the story. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is about the dude, this is Kenneth Branagh's character is it kenneth Branagh? Kenneth, yeah. uh, what's the fucking name <laughs> <laughs> um, now, the dude who became snow yes so it's his origin story not kenneth Branagh. so <laughs> it's snow's origin story Snow's origin story so so there you so so you're going through this whole journey and a lot of it was like okay it's it's a lo- it's long it's very long so it's a big investment to watch this whole story and i understand does he have an setup. does he have an interesting Story, origin story? I think, it again, it would have been more interesting if I could see these two characters connect, which you can't if the person's acting kind of upstaging over the other person. So I didn't believe the, you know, for the most part, the connection between the two the two characters. Cause the, and the two characters were um, the one guy wanting to be Snow. Yes. And then this other one who, you know, is... Is, is Rachel Zegler, yeah. Okay, so Rachel Zegler was the person who you didn't you didn't dig. I didn't dig her. I'm sorry. Yeah, and then it was just, it's just very yeah. I mean, it was amazing. Obviously, cinematically, it's lovely, and sound design is lovely, and all those you know yeah. very obvious big movie budget things, all lovely, really okay. great. But then there was this disconnect for me between those two characters. Um, not having a, a you know a feeling or a sense that there's a genuine connection that then, but that's interesting because gets, yeah because um, you could have a film okay sorry before I get into this yes Donald Sutherland that's was it Snow. yes sorry um, <laughs> like what, what are we saying what are we talking about <laughs> it's here? been listen it's listen been a, just but it's, it's been, been a, a rough ride yes um, 
apparently, Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate, uh, not Kate Winslet, not Titanic, Claire Danes. Claire yes. Danes and Leonardo DiCaprio were two. They had to be convincingly in love. Are you talking about Romeo Titanic? And, oh, no, for no, Romeo I'm talking Juliet. about Romeo okay, and Juliet. Okay, I'm like, wait, so he wasn't Titanic. They apparently didn't like each other on set. Mm. But yet they were such good actors mm. that they convinced everyone that they were so madly in love with each yes. other that they were going to kill each other for themselves. Yes, but the, see, there's no, now a difference between I don't like you as a person or another actor or whatever. I don't like you. There's a difference oh. between that and then that subtlety of somebody who's literally just, you know, taking over. Yeah. And making everything about themselves, and it's very important. Also, as an actor, it's it's hard it's hard to watch because you're like, oh, I know what that's like. You know, acting opposite that, where you like just be in the scene with me. Like, don't yeah. be in your own head so much, in your own world. You've got to pull other people into your world as an and, actor and concentrate and concentrate on what's happening. Yes, be present with what's happening with the other actor there, so that you are genuinely connecting and living through that and having that embodied experience because it does show. It does mm. show on screen. You're like, okay, it's not that it's a bad performance. It's an excellent, very long two and a half hour <laughs> soliloquy. <laughs> you know, it's like a monologue of of Rachel Zegler. You know, but that's interesting because it's if this is the origin story of Donald Sutherland's character yeah, Snow, Snow, that's the dude. Exactly. So this actually, this movie shouldn't have been about her. Yeah. So it's a lot focused on her. And, and, and Do you think they just wanted another female lead? Uh, Were they trying be so to recreate boring. it? Oh, I hate that. <laughs> it's like that. The you know, I I hate it if that's the if that would be the case. I don't know. I think because um, at the end of probably, the day, at the end of the day, this film let that happen. Hundred percent. And so they a obviously lot of, kind of wanted that to happen. Yes, but I mean, you could do that in like an equalizing sense, right? Or an equi- a sense where there's equanimity between the two characters. That's a or nice actors. word. Thank you. Equanimity. I've got words. I know you do. <laughs> My vocabulary. Yeah. So it's it's. Um, what has she done? Rachel Se- Zegler. Yeah. I mean, she almost did Snow White, and then. Oh no, that's come back. No, no, but someone else is in her place now. She's oh, been really? fired. Yeah, as far as I know, surprise I've seen. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and. It's just, I hate saying this. I don't like saying, oh, bad actor, da-da-da, because I'm an actor myself. I will always defend, but unfortunately for me, that part of the story, and I think it's a great story to watch. I think it's really cool to go see, you know, where everything came from, but I would have loved more emphasis, emphasis on the on the male lead, okay. and I would have loved a character, a, a woman that we would all kind of fall in love with okay because that's that's also not i don't know how much i want to give away about the story if you still want to go watch it but you you do want to um side with that female character which is very difficult to do if they okay. if they're upstaging so you might go wow okay and there's elements of it that you could you could probably justify and say yeah but you know they weren't you know maybe this was the story you know that was no, basically sure. the ploy but okay yeah um, Rachel Ziegler has been. She was in West Side Story. Yeah, she was. She was Maria. I thought she was great in that. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that was before. Okay. Her, maybe that's her no. origin story. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened, but like. Um. What else have you been enjoying? Mm, well, speaking of sport films. Yeah. Yeah. I love. Um, Hustle. Have you seen Hustle? Yeah, with Adam Sandler. Yeah, I mean it's quite old now, but that's very no, good. No, but it's it's. I mean it's. 
by virtue of the category of film, yeah. still very, very new. Very, yeah. That that's the uh, story of the basketball player that yeah. he finds in like some godforsaken part of Europe, and he um, brings him to um, the states to play in the NBA. Yeah, and my sweet, my mom watched it, and she wanted to watch basketball afterwards. She's like, I love this game. Yeah, <laughs> no, they they do. They, those things do also, yeah, help you figure out the sport. Yeah. Which is really what I needed with F1. I needed a way in. So Drive to Survive <laughs> very much helped me. And the moment you understand the sport, you can talk about it, then yeah. you then you can... Um, I used to be big into F1 until the Michael Schumacher-Baricello um, standoff where the team made Baricello slow down for Schumi to win. Mm, and I was... Uh, that I, happens. I, I, was, I was livid. I, from there on, it... Uh, kind of went down uh, interesting me. it became more about the sort of politics of it all yeah yeah yeah. as opposed to the glory of just winning because yeah. you deserve it yeah yeah no there is a little bit of that and you and you get a sense of that yeah bottas had to constantly aid lewis hamilton yes. as his partner but he's like i, I want to fucking win exactly yeah exactly it's really it's an interesting sport so no i do i do love watching drive to survive because it is that way back into a sport that i used to love because okay. I, I actually, I mean, I was so into, I was so into it, <laughs> giving away my age again. 20 years ago, I was so into it that I was like, I want to be a race car driver. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, it's uh, it was sad for me to go like, politics. Blech. Interesting. Blech. But Hustle's great. So you watched yeah. it recently. Yeah, I did. I did. And then um, what I'm looking forward to, so this is more of like a, I know I'm looking forward to, the to just to see it because I only also recently watched Squid Games. I didn't watch it okay. when it came out. I was like, oh, I don't know. So um, the the reality show for that that yes. game show that that okay. actual game show that's coming out soon. This is also on Netflix. So Hustle is on Netflix, and it's a good watch. Yeah. Just to go back to that for a sec, it's a good. We talk about this the American sports film, and it's a very much a new modern take on that American sports film. Yeah. Um, so definitely worth your time. That is on Netflix. But yeah, Squid Game, the experience or something, the yeah. game now. Yeah. So now it, it's interesting that it's 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 teed itself up to be this reality show Yeah. where people are contesting. I, I only watched the first episode of Squid Game just to like get the vibe. Did you not watch the whole thing? I didn't watch the whole thing. Did you? Yeah. Okay. I watched the I invested in this. I okay. was in Did it. Did it pay off? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's it's one of those. It's vile, you know. You watch it and you go, oh, like ugh. ugh. It just takes a lot good. out of you. It's taxing. It's taxing, but it's good. So, I mean, within the genre and everything, the way it ends and everything, it makes sense and it's does good. Does Squid Game like the the narrative show? Does it end conclusively? Like it has a it didn't tee itself up for more. It could be more, yeah. So okay, the, but you do it, get answers. A, you do get some answers, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you get answers. Okay. Yeah. So, but it, but it, they haven't done a second season. It's really only ever just been this one. No, this only. Yeah, yeah I'm wondering if there will be a se- second season. I think there have been talks that there would be. I mean, it was wildly popular, but uh, this so popular. this um, reality version of it could continue forever. Exactly. That that's. I would put my money in that. Yes. If I was <laughs> well, the producers. Well, careful. As, 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 a, as opposed to, a, as opposed to a, a narrative thing, you know, yeah. which if you don't have the ideas, that's where these things can fall apart. Exactly. I, 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 don't, I don't want there to be a second season. 
necessarily. Okay. So you kind of go, it could go to a second season, but you kind of also don't necessarily want it to. You're satisfied with the season one. Okay. But it could go to a second season. So they've left it very, like it's a very good ending, I feel. Okay. Because it's an it's an it's a semi open ending. Do you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's still coming. That's on the 29th. I think it starts. Lots of things happening on the 29th. What else is happening? The video store. That's right, baby. <laughs> the video store presents night. Hello. Sorry, I didn't click on <laughs> Little that. Shop of Horrors. Um, buy tickets now. Yeah. Um, there is a movie that is coming to Netflix, which yes. looks really cool. It's called American Symphony. That's also the 29th. Okay, there's lots <gasps> happening on the 29th. Oh. Um, do you know who John Baptiste is? Yes. Um, wait, wait, well, how do so I know that name? So Stephen Colbert, his show. Yes. The Late Show. I forget yes. which one he is. He's the Late Show. Um, John Baptiste was his band Isn't he leader. the report? What's that? The, the report. Uh, he started as that. Okay. It was the Colbert report. Yeah. And then it became, then, when he, then he actually got one of those Actual oh, slots. he's got the late, late. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, true. So now he's the he's late, got a late show. Late yeah. show. Sorry. Yeah, um, sorry. No, it's hard to keep up. Uh, <laughs> so John Baptiste was the band leader of his band that yes. played there. Okay. Yes. And was a very accomplished and is a very accomplished musician in his own right. Yes. And went on to win a whole bunch of Grammys and be nominated for a whole bunch of stuff. This is a documentary about him, but most specifically about the relationship between him and his wife. Where as he wins, or as he gets all these nominations, she is diagnosed with cancer. And it is this love story between the two of them. Um, and just, you know, we've spoken on a few occasions about how we can get the wrong trailer. Oh, 100%. You know, uh, a good example was last week's episode when we spoke about um, A Man Called Otto. Yeah. Like it had a shit trailer. It made you like not want to watch it in a way, 100%. at least for me. Yeah, I was like, oh, um, yeah. But this was the opposite. This is a trailer that goes, oh, my God, I need to watch this movie. <laughs> like, okay. it is such a good trailer. And, and then, does it pay off? Well, I haven't seen it. It hasn't oh. come out yet. Oh, you want to watch yeah, it? Yeah, oh, yeah, oh. yeah. But I'm just telling oh, you about it. Oh, that's the 29th it. as well? Yeah, yeah. Oh. So, it's called American Symphony, and it just okay. looks looks amazing. Sorry, Russell. It's been a week. No, no, no. It's don't worry. It's been so rough. But listen, I think on this note, yes. because we're both very tired, <laughs> yes. I went to Rocking the Daisies. <laughs> yes. I went to Cherry Festival. You went to a Cherry start. Festival. We we've traveled. Seen we've lots done of things. tight pants, lots of tight shorts, yeah. tight short shorts. No, there was a lot going on, yeah. and um, I think we're both quite tired. Yes. Okay, so on that <laughs> note, I think let's close up shop. Amazing. I appreciate you coming in, <laughs> working you. this shift with us, and um, and thank you everyone for listening, and um, we'll see you again next week. See you next week. All right, uh, we are the video store, and uh, our home base is thevideostore.co.za. Over there, you can see links to all our social media community. So please chime in on places like Instagram and Facebook, and also let us know if we have given you a recommendation that you've liked. You can send us a voice note to thevideostorepod at gmail.com, and we'll play it in an episode. Um, and also at thevideostore.co.za, we've got links to old episodes as well. So you can catch up on other filmmakers as well if you enjoyed this chat with Jamil. And we hope to see you again next week. Be All kind, right. rewind. Be kind, rewind. Cheers. Bye.